Welcome to Excess Returns, where we focus on what works over the long term in the markets. Join us as we talk about the strategies and tactics that can help you become a better long-term investor. Justin Carboneau and Jack Forehand are principals at Validia Capital Management. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Validia Capital. No information on this podcast should be construed as investment advice. Securities discussed in the podcast may be holdings of clients of Validia Capital. Hey guys, this is Justin. Oftentimes in investing, there can be a wide discrepancy between what is happening in the market or with individual stocks and what you believe should be happening. In this episode of Excess Returns, Jack and I discuss this challenge or the balance between what is and what should be in the markets. We use the massive recovery in stocks despite an economy that's nowhere near back to normal as an example of this. We discuss some of the reasons as to why this might be and offer up one factor that can act as a disciplined, unemotional, great equalizer in the investment decision-making process. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoy the discussion. All right. Um, this is a pretty, obviously, crazy and interesting time in the market. Um, you know, the market stocks were down tremendously for the first few months of the year. We've had a massive rally back. And, you know, I think what a lot of investors are sort of wrestling with is this question around um, has the increase in stocks, has the rebound in stocks, is it commensurate with, you know, where the economy and where the recovery is going to be, at least in the short to midterm. So there's obviously a big disconnect in the market. And I think in a lot of investors' minds about what they're seeing in the stock market and what's actually happening in the economy. And I think that was the basis for the article you wrote this week, which was titled The Balance Between What Is and What Should Be. And I'm just going to read you a quote from the article, and then I want you to talk a little bit about your thought process in terms of writing it and the things that you were thinking about. But you wrote, the game of investing requires navigating the difficult balance between standing by your convictions and positioning yourself for the way you think things should be, while also recognizing that the way things are and that the market may either take a long time to come around to your way of thinking or not do it at all. So with that sort of a starting point, maybe you can kind of work your way through what you were really trying to address in the article, and then we can get into some of the finer points. This is something I struggle with a lot myself because I have my own views about the way I think things should be going. And you know, it's, it's very hard for me to separate those views about the way things should be going with what actually is happening. And, you know, th- that's a struggle I, I constantly have. And so I, w- I wanted to write this article to use to give some examples of some things that are going on right now that maybe people think should not be happening. But by the same token, we all have to recognize, it, although it may not be what should be, it's what is. And, and it, it's very dangerous sometimes to take what you think should be happening and, and sort of sculpt your investment strategy to that when what's actually happening in front of your eyes is very different. And, and you, you cited a good example at the beginning, which is what's going on right now with the market. You know, right now the economic situation might turn out to be the worst economic situation we'll ever see in our careers. But by the same token, stocks are very, you know, are barely off their highs. And so why are stocks barely off their highs? You know, there, there's probably two things going on. One is we're seeing unprecedented policies from the Federal Reserve, and we're also seeing a lot of fiscal stimulus. So, you know, we're seeing the government effectively throw tons of money at the market right now. And we're seeing the government effectively try to become the economy for a period of time until the economy can get going on its own. And so that is is causing all kinds of stimulus where the economic situation is bad, 
but the stock market is looking to the future, which is the second part of this. You know, the stock market is always a long-term discounting mechanism. And so the stock market is looking out many, many years and saying, well, things are going to, we're going to recover from this. And, you know, maybe the Federal Reserve can get us through, you know, and maybe, you know, since this, this year is not that big a part of, if, if you look at like a discounted cash flow analysis of any company or of the market as a whole, this year is, you know, say no more than 10%, you know, probably more like 5% of the total. So maybe we're, we're going to get through this. And on the, on the other side of this, we're going to be fine. And so, although things look horrible on the ground right now, so what, what looks like should be happening is the stock market should be plummeting. But what actually is, is we've got tons of stimulus coming at the stock market. And we've got this long-term discounting thing going on that if we do get through this with the policies we have, then, you know, not too much of the value of the stock market is, is in the current year. Maybe we'll get, maybe we'll be okay on the other side of it. So it's a really interesting thing because I'm one of these people as well who thinks, you know, how could we possibly not be down more with what's going on? But what actually is happening in front of our eyes is we're not. You know, investors are thinking of the here and now, kind of what's directly in front of them, the next maybe month or the next quarter. I mean, earnings obviously for Q2 are going to be horrible and even probably Q3 and the rest of the year. Um, they're, they're, they're the likelihood of them, you know, for many companies getting back to where they were going to be pre-COVID-19 is very unlikely. Um, but what a lot of investors, to your point, might not be thinking about is the value of a, a, a stock or a long-term asset is based on its cash flows well into the future. And so understanding that and being able to sort of wrap your arms around that, even in the midst of sort of the uncertainty we're going through, I think is a very important point. Um, because it's something that a lot of investors lose, um, lose sight of. Yeah. And, you know, also this, this helps to explain the volatility that's going on as well, because we, we can say, you know, why is the stock market up 8% one day and down 7% the next day? I think as we talk now, small cap values down 7 or 8% today. But again, that's that long-term discounting thing. You know, if you get some positive news that can have an impact on all of these future years of earnings, you're going to get a big move today reflecting the change in all of those future years of earnings. So it's it's not going up or down because tomorrow is, is that much different than tomorrow would have been without that news. But the, the market is trying, you know, in a period of high uncertainty, the market is trying to figure out what this long-term future looks like. And you know, news in any given day about whether we're how quickly we can recover or whether there's a vaccine that can have a huge impact on those long-term cash flows. And so, mm -hmm. you know, it, it can be, it explains a lot of this volatility we're seeing when it doesn't maybe make sense if you look at it from what's going on today and tomorrow. But if you look at it in a long-term perspective, the, the volatility does make sense. One of the things I wanted to ask you is I feel like right now there's a lot of investors that have either, you know, gone to cash or brought a large portion of their portfolio to cash and, you know, their theory or their hypothesis here is that the market's going to take another leg down. I'm going to have better valuations. I'll have a better opportunity to buy in, especially since the reversion back up was so quickly. So people almost didn't have a, if you, if you reacted and you reduced risk, you know, uh, after let's say mid-March, you're probably behind the eight ball now because stocks have recovered almost all of their losses um, in many cases. So the challenge becomes when do you as an investor if that was the bottom, how as an investor do you overcome your belief that, you know, things are going to take a turn for the worse? And that was to your, the, the quote I sort of started out with. I think it's, it's very difficult because those investors have made a decision. They've raised cash. They have certainly a good argument to make that, you know, things could get worse with stocks. 
Um, and yet, you know, the market really hasn't given them that. So that's going to be a really tough decision to make as to how they actually deploy that capital. I mean, they could be waiting a long time to see those lows again, potentially. They may come in the next month or two. I mean, no one really knows. So do you have any insights or thoughts about how you would sort of tackle that decision as to if you went to cash, if you raise money, and when you might actually change your opinion on um, your view? Yeah, you know, you have to be able to, and, and you know, I'll give a different example, but you, you have to be able to take your opinion out of the equation. And you know, most investors should be buy and hold investors is what I believe. So most people shouldn't be make, trying to make these decisions, especially during a volatile time like this, because the odds of you getting this bottom right or the top right, they're impossible. But what you get at is a bigger point, which is if, if I have a specific opinion, separating that opinion from my investment strategy is really, really hard to do. And, and let me give you an example. Since 2008, what the Federal Reserve has done with all the different versions of quantitative easing, you know, that has been enormously, or most people think that has been somewhat positive for the stock market. But if I'm a person who believes that what they've done is completely wrong, if I think it's, you know, it's causing all these other problems and it's, it's absolutely wrong, my tendency, and many of the people who believe that's tendency, has been to say, all right, I've, this is a house of cards. This is going to fall apart. I've got to short the market. Those people have been wrong all the way up. And so that's a good example of how difficult it can be you know, to, to separate my opinion about what the Federal Reserve is doing from what actually is, which is what's, what the Federal Reserve's policies are actually causing. And you know, I talked about it in my article, but one of the people I really admire in this is Ben Hunt from Epsilon Theory because he has been one of these people that said, all right, what the Federal Reserve is doing is not right. But he's also been, on the other side of it, someone who's been long the stock market the whole time because he, he's recognized what the effect of what the Federal Reserve is doing is, and he, he's been riding that up. And, and that's a really, really hard thing to do, to take my opinion about what should be happening and separate that from what actually is happening. And you know, most investors can't do it, and I, I think most investors should just you know, stay the course with their investment strategy and not get into this at all. But for people who do have these strong opinions, this can be a really, really challenging thing. Yeah, I don't know who said it. I heard it somewhere that as investment managers, you know, we're, really, we're being paid to try to do the best for our clients and make money for our clients. So the opinion almost needs to come out. Of course, you know, anytime you're making a decision, opinions and your biases are in there. I mean, we're a quantitative firm, so we try to avoid a lot of that. But, you know, I read these articles from these guys that have been permanently bearish since like they were bearish coming into 08 and 09, so they got it right. But then coming out, they stayed bearish. And so they haven't been able to adjust their outlook or their views because it's almost like they're so deeply rooted in this opinion or view they have of the market. And, you know, obviously people that have invested with them, you know, haven't done nearly as well uh, as many others that have kind of just, you know, been investing and maybe allocating into stocks prudently. So, yeah, and, you know, we should call ourselves out here, too. I mean, we, we are big believers in value investing. And obviously for the past decade, what is has been value investing has not worked. And, you know, we, we've talked about that on previous podcasts, why it hasn't worked. But, you know, we, we have made the bet that value investing is going to come back. And that, that's a very, for us, it's a very, very difficult thing to figure out. I mean, obviously, we, we still believe value investing is going to come back. And it, it has some recently. But trying to separate that belief of what should be happening from, you know, looking at the facts and saying, has anything changed here where what is on the ground is, is different such that value investing is not going to work the way it has in the past, you know, that separation can be really, really hard. And for all of us who believe in value, that, that's a delicate balance, you know, where you're trying to look at the other side of it, but you also, you know, you have your strong opinion and you're trying not to let that, you know, uh, you're trying to look at it in an unbiased way as you implement your investment strategy. 
Speaking of sort of the what is, um, you know, one of the points of your article that you made was the concept of momentum and trend following and how that will tell you if you use momentum, that doesn't price doesn't lie. So if the market's going up and the momentum's strong and you utilize that as part of your process, even though you may not think, let's say that you should be invested in stocks, if the momentum is strong and the prices are going up, you can you can utilize momentum to sort of remove your opinions and remove your biases and, you know, maybe take advantage of that factor, which will bring you into the areas of the market that are exhibiting strength, even if that is a divergence from your, you know, beliefs. Yeah, you know, I, I think I called momentum the ultimate equalizer in the article. And, and the reason is it's a great way to separate your belief on what should be happening from what is, because by definition, momentum is what is. You know, whatever is going on in the market, momentum will tell you that. And, and momentum could care less why it's going on. It, do, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, the Fed is manipulating the market or, or something else is going on. It doesn't matter. I mean, momentum just cares about what's happening. So as an investor, for an ex as example, someone who thinks the market is going to plummet at some point in the future, a a, a better way to implement that belief might be to use some sort of trend following strategy. And so I might believe it's going to plummet, but let it show signs of actually plummeting technically before I try to, you know, before I try to implement that versus, you know, shorting the market all the way up or for a value investor, maybe wait till value shows some, some signs of momentum and then increase your exposure to value. You know, I, I think momentum can be a great equalizer because by definition, it, it only cares about what's actually happening. It doesn't care at all about why it's happening and it doesn't care about anyone's opinion of why it's happening. Yeah, and we've talked about momentum and trend following on a couple other podcasts, so we'll put those um, links in the, in the show notes. You know, I think this is a really interesting topic because I think that, you know, right now with the environment we're in, both economically and the stock market, there's a lot of questions, there's a wide range of outcomes, but I think sort of the key thing that we wanted to discuss was, you know, you have to balance this uh, in, in your mind, sort of what you think it is and what it, what it should be and how the market reacts. I mean, these are all things that there's no magic answer. Like you said, I think probably the best for most people is just to take the long-term horizon, stay invested, don't try to time the market. I mean, those are sort of core evergreen, you know, investing concepts that will serve um, most people the best. But I understand it's certainly hard, you know, when things are so uncertain and what we're going through to, to sort of continue with that investment approach. Yeah, I think the general point here is, you know, recognize that the market is really, really smart. Um, and a lot of times it's smarter than all of us. And so when I think something should be happening and it's not happening, there's probably a reason it's not happening. And so it's, it's important to take that belief and take a step back and say, why is the market doing what it's doing when I think it should be doing something else, something else? And, and a lot of times the market is smarter than me. So just it's, it's humbling yourself to understand that a lot of times your strong belief may not be correct. Great. Well, I think that's a good way to uh, wrap up this episode. Thank you guys for watching and listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Hi guys, this is Justin again. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Excess Returns. You can follow Jack on Twitter at, at @practicalquant and follow me on Twitter at, at @jjcarboneau. If you found this discussion interesting and valuable, please subscribe in either iTunes or on YouTube or leave a review or a comment. We appreciate it.